Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Royal Strong and True podcast. We're coming at you guys with a remote interview this week. Uh, and we have a little bit of sickness problems going through the podcast. So, uh, but, you know, we're on the tail end of it. We're getting better and we're ready to talk about some sports because that always makes us feel nice, warm and fuzzy inside. We're going to be talking a little bit about the national championship game, women's basketball, men's basketball, and we'll do a little bit of segment stuff at the end. Let's get to it. Let's have some fun. But before we go to it, we want to give one last shout out to our social media platform. Please go ahead and give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at loyal to Royal pod, where you will find a lot of fun content and going up here pretty soon are way too early. Top 25s. Without further ado, let's boo. That field judge on the far side is in their pocket, man. Go for Alrighty, listeners, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Royal Strong and True Podcast, the best BYU podcast that we are creators of. Yeah, I'd have to agree. Um, for start off, we've got a few housekeeping items. First of all, with the College Football Championship coming to the conclusion on Monday night, our fantasy football group is officially over. And the winner of that group is Justin. Woo! So congratulations, yeah. Justin. You won the group. Can I just say I am a very happy man because this is the first time ever in my life that I've ever won a fantasy football group. And I did it beating freaking jo- Joe Ludlow. I love you, Joe. But I went 11-3 and three in the regular season. Two of those losses were to Joe. I went 0-2 versus Joe, redeemed myself in the championship game. I you're like your happy, own little, uh, happy man. your own little Kirby Smart over there. Yeah, look at me. You win when it matters. That's all. Joe Ludlow was my Nick Saban. I pulled a Kirby Smart. <laughs> um, just as an asterisk, I made it sound like this was the college football group. It's not. It's NFL yeah, fantasy it's NFL. football that we've been having all season long. Justin won the whole group. I did not do quite so well. I think I finished five and nine. But, but Dan, didn't you like score the most points out of anybody in the league or something like that? Um, not the most. I think I had the oh. most points scored against me. Oh, for the most <laughs> points scored against. <laughs> so, for some reason, everyone who played me just had the like their best week of the season. I, I just had really bad luck on that respect, but I had a fun time, anyways. It was good. It was, it was fun. It was good. I ended up seventh. In our group, <laughs> pretty good considering there were eight people. So, <laughs> pretty proud of my stink with squeezers. Oh, yeah, hey, you, squeezers. you didn't get last. You didn't get last. That's all that matters. Yes. Uh, yeah. Another item of housekeeping: uh, USC quarterback and Corner Canyon former Corner Canyon grad mm. Jackson Dart is in the portal. Real quick here: Do you guys think BYU should pursue him? 
this is a what tricky you, one for me. Yeah, what do you think, Dan? I think they should. Ooh. Which is kind of a flip-flop for me. At first, I was like, we have Jaron. We have Jacob Conover. We're set for the next few years. But Jaron Hall has, you know, his health is not super reliable. He's sat out like every season with injuries. He has a concussion history. Um, he now has, he had a rib. Um, he had one rib. Whatever else he had. And so he's not reliable to start every game of a season. And maybe he'll be gone after next season anyways. Some people are saying. Some people me, would say. Saying, some people are saying that. And also... His backup, Jacob Conover, I have no idea if he's good or not. <laughs> he's, I've only seen a few snaps from him. He hasn't looked amazing, but again, inexperienced. We don't know. Jackson Dart definitely has upside that I would not mind bringing to the BYU program. You know, I, I'd completely uh, – yeah, yeah, you know, I'm going to agree. I completely agree with you, Dan. Uh, let's not forget Jackson Dart coming out of high school was a four-star recruit. Was very highly rated. Very, very good ball player. Um, you know, you brought up some good points. Jaron Hall, some people are going to say that he'll go to the league after next year, which, you know, we didn't see an elite quarterback in Jaron Hall yet, but we do, think he, we, we do think that he can get there because as much as we don't like Aaron Roderick as a offensive coordinator, he is a good quarterback coach and quarterback developer. Mm-hmm. And plus they'll have, you know, they, they always have like John Beck working with the quarterbacks. They have these very elite quarterback coaches coming through. Jackson Dart just got done with his freshman year. He was a true freshman last year. So he has more time that he can play. He can redshirt a couple of years. He could redshirt behind Jaron Hall. This move, if we make this move or not, this will tell you very much what the coaches think of Jacob Conover. Mm-hmm. If they make this move, Jackson Dart is the backup. Conover is not the backup. If they make this move, they're basically saying, Conover, thanks for coming. You were a great scout team quarterback. I don't know enough about Conover to, to, you know, to say one way or the other, but it will be very interesting to see what happens in the next few days. Yeah, I would love to have Jackson Dart. Personally, I think he has more potential and is a better quarterback than Jaron Hall. He's Ooh. obviously not as mobile as Jaron Hall, but he can throw the ball way better than we have mm-hmm. seen Jaron Hall throw the ball. And uh, like you said, Justin, Jaron Hall, like we don't know he might make a jump to the NFL, kind of like what you were saying too, Dan. Uh, we were all very low on Zach Wilson before 2020. And so yeah. we might – sophomore yeah. year, we were very low on him. Yes. So we might see something like that with Jaron Hall. I would love to see Jackson, start, Jackson Dark come here, but I don't think he's going to come here if he's not going to be the starter right away. So yeah. we just have to see that. Um, it'll be interesting to see where he goes, though, if BYU does pursue him. I think they at least give him a call, right, just to see how he's feeling. But anyway. Yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Let him come home. Yeah, you know, it's a talking point. Um, and then one other thing of housekeeping, the weekly USFL update. Uh, yes, still sir. going strong. Todd uh, Halley, Haley, I don't know. He's the Bandits head coach, my head coach. He offered Antonio Brown a roster spot recently. Oh, how'd that go? Uh, Antonio Brown was very receptive and oh. said, boop, out of here. Oh. So, yeah, we're off to a great start. Uh, we know who will not be playing in the USFL as of right now. <laughs> but uh, I'm excited still, even after this minor setback. 
So for some of our listeners who listeners who might not know, why does Antonio Brown need a roster spot in the USFL? Wasn't he an NFL wide receiver? Keyword there was. Um the whole Antonio the whole Antonio Brown situation is so weird, and I have no clue what's going on. They're, they're coming at it from two different sides. You know, he randomly in the Jets game was benched, and then he took off his shoulder pads, threw them out into the stands, took off his jersey, ran shirtless across the field while the game was still going on, and put the team right then and there. Now, Antonio <laughs> Brown is saying that the that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers were covering up an injury of his, and that it was like a corrupt organization. And all these things about like how they were purposefully like hurting him and not letting him heal. The Bucks are basically just saying Antonio Brown is a whack job, and I don't I don't know who to believe. I know who to believe. I'm just saying it's not like things have happened in the past where Antonio Brown has lied about things like a vaccination status, his his uh, relationships with different trainers. Um, but I'm not the one to judge. But Antonio, Antonio, uh, whatever his name is, Brown is a whack job. So he has a colorful past. <laughs> That's a good way of putting it. Do you remember when he got cut from the Raiders and like he posted that video celebrating? He's I, uh, I do not. I remember like he was on the Raiders for a little bit, but then got into a huge fight with Gruden. And yeah. he like was basically boycotting practices. Like he didn't want to go and everything <laughs> until eventually he got released and he posted a Twitter, like a live reaction video of him on Twitter of him reading that he had been released, jumping up and going, yeah. And running around his backyard again, shirtless the man loves to be shirtless. So he actually met up with Kanye West yesterday. Oh, uh, he was, shoot. he was spotted at dinner with Kanye West. So we got two, two, uh, Two people out there that, you know, people are questioning their mental states. Uh, we'll see mm-hmm. if they come up with a cola. That would be That's amazing. quite a duo. <laughs> I would Antonio listen to that Brown album. Kanye. Kanye West feet Antonio Brown. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, wow. Yes. Um, okay. Well, moving on. Let's move from on Antonio and talk Brown. a little bit about college football. So uh, a couple of days ago was the national championship. And we have a new... 42 years in the making, or 41, I guess, in the making, the Georgia Bulldogs have won the national championship. Georgia. Georgia. (laughs) I get my peaches from Georgia. I don't know how this song actually goes, but it talks about Georgia. Dude, shout out to Georgia. Honestly, Georgia fans are obnoxious. I don't know if you guys know this, but Georgia fans are infamously known for barking at the away team <laughs> fans. They will straight up just bark at you. Ooh, some wonderful music we got going on. <laughs> it's Ray Charles, baby. <laughs> oh, is that the Georgia, Georgia song? Commercials? Georgia. Okay. Okay. We got the Georgia song going on that I'm seeing. It's earlier. not accidental. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Oh man, I don't even remember what. Oh yeah, Georgia fans—they'll bark at you. They will literally bark at you. So that's kind of—they're gonna keep barking, which is obnoxious. Even less obnoxious though than Nick Saban winning another national championship. Shout out to Kirby Smart—he yeah. finally got the monkey off his back. Yeah, that is so impressive, and it just kind of caps off this uh, incredible college football season. We've saw, we've seen so many streaks get broken: Michigan, Ohio State, BYU, Utah, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma. 
right? And then this one to cap it off, after he gets blown out in the SEC title game, they come back, they looked focused, the defense was incredible all game long. The refs made a couple questionable calls, uh, but Georgia overcame it every single time. And it was it was very fun. It was a great game. Even though it wasn't super high scoring, I thought it was one of the most entertaining national championship games that we've seen in a very long time. Yeah, it, it was a really fun game to watch. For the first few quarters, it seemed more of like a defensive slugfest, which it wasn't terrible to watch. It wasn't like a, one of those boring defensive games. It was just Georgia had a really good defense, and Alabama was doing a decent job of you know putting drives together, scoring field goals. And then in the fourth quarter, things just opened up. Georgia went off, had some electric plays, and put Nick Saban to bed. Oh, that was some real big boy football. That, yeah. that, that wasn't just high-flying touchdowns being scored left and right, you know, which is entertaining in its own right. You know, the Utah-Ohio State game was absolutely entertaining. This game was just entertaining in a whole nother – this was a game for, you know, like how they, you know, part of my take has that competition from football guy of the week. This was a football guy game. This was oh, yeah. grit. This was toughness. One of my favorite plays from the game is, you know, Alabama on second and goal has – you know, has that little tight end pop pass and the Georgia linebackers, one of the Georgia linebackers messes up and goes the wrong way. Mm-hmm. And the other linebacker just gets in his face and yells <laughs> at him and yells at him and yells at him. Yeah. He came across the formation to make the play broke at the pass. Third and goal, that linebacker that got yelled at, manned up, picked, put on his big boy pants and sacked Bryce Young like nine yards in the backfield. So it was just real good football seeing real leaders. These were the two best teams in the country, as much as I hate to say it, but they put on a show. Shout out to Georgia for taking it home. Yeah, they really did. And on kind of that same note, like the Georgia defense, they really are so good. Like they really are worth all the hype in the world. The, those defensive backs are the most violent defensive backs I have ever seen. Anytime there's a swing pass or a run play, the cornerbacks and safeties, instead of just kind of getting in the lane and forcing them back in, no, they were the ones that were going up and laying the wood on the running backs and on the wide receivers. It was beautiful to watch. The fight, the resiliency after that crazy fumble, just uh, Georgia's defense and Georgia just in general, they just wanted it a little bit more, and they were the better team, and it was it was great. I think this was also a game where Bryce Young, Alabama's quarterback kind of got exposed a little bit. He looked human. Somehow he won the Heisman this year. That's a head scratcher. Definitely an off year. And I was telling Jared, they should have just not given it to anyone and given out to next year or (laughs) given it to someone from last year. But he threw two picks in this game. And I think that's really what gave Georgia the momentum to win the game because they had some, offensive struggles of their own at times but their defense getting those picks off of Bryce Young gave them gave their offense enough chances to find what works and exploit Bama's defense and get the win so Bryce Young he's still young like his name says oh but he definitely looked very human like Justin said yeah and why talk about this we yeah we talked about Sorry, Justin, but we talked about, you know, what they needed to do to win the game. Georgia put pressure on Bryce Young. 
what did they do? They put pressure on Bryce Young, and they won the game. Exactly. They rushed, and they, they didn't run a lot of two-back. They ran a lot of one-back coverage. They ran a, a lot of cover zero, cover one. They did exactly what we, what we said they needed to do. Can we talk about this? The reason Kirby Smart has not been able to beat Alabama these whole like past five years is because Kirby Smart has been too defensively minded. The game has evolved into an offensive game, and Kirby Smart always had the defenses, but he just never had the offense to quite get there. 100% so true. what was Kirby Smart's like? What was Kirby Smart's reaction to overcome that curse? To double down on defense and just make his defense <laughs> even better. And still not adapt. And he got Alabama on the one year that they were gettable. Yep. The stars aligned for Kirby Smart. He took advantage of it. Yeah. No, I 100% agree. Georgia's offense was not by any means, any stretch of the imagination, an explosive or a great offense. But their defense Mm -hmm. just held Alabama and checked the whole game. And, you know, you're eventually going to get one or two explosive plays. And that's what. That's what won in the game on offense. Their defense just held Alabama to less points. Yep, that 75-yard run play was massive. So, talking about Bryce Young's counterpart, Stetson Bennett the fourth. Oh, the foot phone master himself. He is an interesting national championship quarterback, different than most. Yes. How would you guys describe him to the lay? listener cinderella (laughs) the man is absolutely cinderella and let me tell you why stetson bennett is not your average national championship five-star quarterback this man i think he only had one division one no he had a couple division one offers coming out of high school but he wanted to play at georgia because that's where he was from he grew up a georgia fan he walked on made the practice squad didn't get any playing time so then he transferred to a junior college played at the junior college, transferred back to Georgia, eventually got the starting job and brought his hometown team a national championship. And he did that while being just not bad enough to not screw up his incredible defense. So shout out to Stetson Bennett. (laughs) Yeah, I 100% agree. The thing that I loved about Stetson Bennett is how emotional and how much you could tell that this meant to him on the Mm -hmm. sideline. Uh, when they got the pick six, right? And that was really the difference in the game. That iced the game, right? Mm-hmm. He was bawling, like ugly crying. Like, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, he was weeping. He was weeping. And it was awesome to see how much that meant to him. And because you knew all his story, like Justin said, he tried so hard, so many different ways, and all the stars aligned. He finally got it. It meant so much to him. He didn't want to opt out. He didn't want to – he's not worried about the NFL. The kid's never going to play in the NFL. But (laughs) he just is there for his team, his coaches, and for the school, for Georgia. And that's what I love about college football is when players are invested in the team, in the coach, in the school, in the university, right? And they're not worried about NIL deals or going to the NFL. Like those things, yes, are great, and you should incorporate them in your life, you know, make money. But – you play because you love the game. And Stetson Bennett is a perfect example of that. Yeah, I found it impossible to not cheer for Stetson Bennett because right. you know it was such a Cinderella story, like Justin said. And he was so emotionally invested. And you could just tell that he was really a team-first guy. He's not like a flashy player. He wasn't cocky. He just You could tell he loved 
university so much. Um, he was just good enough. He wasn't great, but <laughs> just yeah. enough. And he brought Georgia their first national championship in like 40 something years. So it's an amazing story. It's really fun to watch that happen. Yeah. That- like Jared said, it was fun to see that emotion, man. He was crying harder than, you know, you know, like young woman at the end of girls camp. <laughs> he was crying harder than that. Like he was showing yeah. some emotion. You just love to see it. You Let's really hear you guys' thoughts on the college football season as a whole, though. It was definitely a fun one. Was it? Pro- was it the best one that you can remember? Uh, so there was a quote from Kirby Smart, and he said, "How about this, fans?" At the game. <laughs> How about this, fans? <laughs> you gotta yeah. love that. And I feel the same way about this season. How about these season? These season was so good. It was. Like every week, we had a great game. We had intrigue. We had upsets. We had streaks broken. We had lots of parody. I mean, heck, Cincinnati and Michigan made the playoff. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It, Nick yes. Saban lost to two former assistants. Right? And he'd never done that before. I think this is by far one of the best football seasons that I can remember. Speaking of college football as a whole, right, because I hate losing to Boise State and I hate losing to UAB and I hate losing to Michigan. But as a whole, this college football season has been amazing. One of the best in my memory. I agree. It was a great season. Um, I might have said this before. I'm kind of like a goldfish. don't have the best memory of (laughs) all the football seasons. But this was definitely one that I think will be more memorable for me. There were so many great upsets, so many good games. Um, A lot of good players, too. BYU had a a good season unfortunate ending to that one but it was a good season and one of the best in recent memory yeah you know i gotta agree i can't remember another season that was this much fun because i've always loved college football but you know back in the day i played football i was in high school football i was more concerned about that than i was about college so i didn't like watch it quite as you know, invested as I do now, now that I live vicariously through these college athletes, like the rest of adult America does, you know? Yes. Um, So from my memory, this is the most fun college football season that I've ever seen. We had Iowa was in the top five at one point. (laughs) Iowa. Like, like, what is that? This was just an incredible season. Loved everything that happened. Now we got to start moving on to next season. And people are already starting to put out their way too early top 25s. On ESPNs, we come in at number 18, which, you know, okay. sounds kind of right. That's fair. Where will we come at in our too, way too early top 25s? You'll have to check out our Instagram to see. The post is going live right after this episode. And uh, it is very uh, interesting, our top 25s. I'll say that. Mm-hmm. We have uh, much yeah. intrigue, Daniel <laughs> especially. I might oh, just yeah. want to get out ahead of this one. <laughs> My preseason top 25 is a protest to <laughs> preseason top 25s. So if you're confused by the, the teams I chose, just know it's all a deliberate scheme, an act <laughs> of defiance against the college football power structure. And I chose the teams randomly, generated them, and ranked them. So. We'll see how hey, close I get. 
That is a powerful statement from Dan. Thank you. Yes, and let's be honest. Everyone hates preseason polls because it takes so much for teams that are bad to drop out of the top 25 because, oh, they're ranked in the preseason. Yeah, so. Texas will be 0-2 and still ranked 23rd. Exactly, exactly. So check that out on the Instagram. Very, very interesting. It's good, a good read, good follow. Tell your friends to follow us. You can share our stuff with them. Uh, we love it. Post and it to your story. What? Oh, I said post <laughs> it to your story. Post the oh. post it to your story. <laughs> yeah, yeah. If you see something you like, tell your friends. Yes. Of course, of course. Sorry, I didn't mean to confuse you there, Jared. No, no, no I like, <laughs> couldn't hear what you were saying. So. Oh, my bad. Right, what? <laughs> anyway, uh, we, have a, we have an ad before we get into our next segment. So uh, let's hit it. All righty, listeners, this week, um, this episode is brought to you by the Wax Laborers Guild Union of the Intermountain West. Um, there's so many good uses for wax. You can make candles. You can put it on your cars, on your floor. You can make those wax lips that some people chew on for a sec. But if you don't buy these, these products, then the, the Wax Laborer Guild, they will be out of a job. So please support those laborers they work hard. They have they have a wife and kids to feed. Remember them and take advantage of the great products they bring to you with care. Thank you. I'm already supporting. I got just a circle of wax right here. Perfect. Thank you. Very perfect. Support. I'm sure the guild the guild uh, appreciates <laughs> that very much. I'll pass it along. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, I'm right uh, out of my candle warm. Oh, wow. Ooh. Justin's just playing with wax now. There's like another modern, good use for it. Modern candle. Mm-hmm. It's like a fidget spinner, but it's a fidget wax. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. We All have right. women's basketball. And uh, we need to give a huge shout out to our women's basketball team because they're on an absolute tear. Those girls are monsters on the court, man. They are just beating everyone up in their path. They are 12 and 1 right now. 12 and wow. 1. And their they only loss came in overtime. Yeah, to Oklahoma, who's also, if I'm not mistaken, a ranked team. Yeah, top 25 so, team. They are a top 25 team. BYU women's basketball is currently projected to be a five seed in the NCAA tournament. Not bad. That's very good. Mm hmm. Better than BAE's done in the last 10 years. The yeah. But they're number 25 in the net, number 18 in the AP top 25, 2-0 in conference game, averaging six more points per game than the men's team. So if you're Dang. thinking, oh, it's women's basketball, it's slower paced, they don't score as much. Bull crap. These women outscore our men on a game-to-game basis. They are absolute monsters. And they're kind of – they're having this like reign of terror over the teams they play. They're averaging almost 10 steals a game, five blocks a game, which I'll tell you, the men's team is averaging five blocks a game, 10 steals a game. <laughs> nope. They're, they're winning games by an average of 16 points 
per game. And just listen to this. So you got four scores in double digits, okay? BYU does not have four people. They have one person averaging double digits. Warren yeah. Gustin, 11.5. Tegan Graham, 11.6. Paisley Harding, Connor Harding's wife, 15.8 points per game. And Shaley Gonzalez is averaging 18.7 points a game. Oh, my goodness gracious. It's ridiculous. These girls can ball. They can play, man. You know what they kept saying about Michigan football team? They're running the ball. They're having fun. This yes. is their year or something. This is a year. They're having this is fun. A, this they're is a really fun well. team. This women's team, they're having fun. They're scoring the ball. They're stealing the ball. They're blocking the ball. They're doing everything. So watch it while you can. It's a great mm-hmm. season they're having. Oh, and yes. You can watch them at home. On Thursday, so you're probably going to listen to this episode on Thursday today at 7 p.m. versus St. Mary's. So make sure you go to the game, support our girls, get loud, get proud. Let's move on to 3-0 and in WCC play. Yes, and they deserve every bit of praise. They deserve every bit of support. They're amazing. They truly are amazing. So shout out to the women's basketball team. Keep, keep doing what you're doing. Now, moving on to men's basketball. Before we get into BYU, let's talk about men's basketball as a whole. Because now that college football season is over, we can take our deep dives into college basketball season. Really start with the March Madness stuff. It's going to be a ton of fun. So, tell me, what have you guys learned about men's basketball since the end of college football season? So, I learned that there will not be an undefeated college basketball team this year. Baylor and USC were the last two remaining undefeated college basketball teams. And USC lost to Stanford, and then right after, Baylor lost to Texas Tech. So college basketball is shaping up to be a lot like the college football season. Insert drooling emoji here. I'm very excited. I just kind of want to uh, learn more about it so I know kind of who's good and whatnot, but I'm very excited because it looks like there's going to be a lot of parody. There's going to be a lot of excitement, a lot of upsets all throughout the season. Yeah, what I'm learning this year is that the ACC is no longer the top dog conference anymore. Mm -hmm. If you look at the AP Top 25, there are an awful lot of Big 12 and SEC teams in there, as well as a good amount of Big 10 teams. But I was watching a couple games the other night and one of them was Auburn versus Alabama. Ooh. Now you hear that and you think, the Iron Bowl, that's going to be a great football game. This was basketball, and it was a really fun game. Both of those teams are so athletic. They scored the ball well. The players fly around and play hard. So I'm learning that the ACC is not the top dog. You've got the Big 12. You've got the SEC. Are, the teams are earning their rankings by – their play on the court by their athleticism and not by the history of their program or their conference. And I think that is a great thing for college basketball. Yeah. College football should take some notes. Yeah, seriously. (laughs) I'm seeing this year, a lot of parody, not P A R O D Y, but P A R I T Y parody. There (laughs) is a lot of, you know, it, you know, the spread of talent around college basketball is a lot more equal than it has been in years past. 
there is no true team that looks more dominant than everyone else, except for one that's looking like they might be the real deal. Dan just mentioned them. I think it's Auburn. Auburn is playing really good basketball. They beat Alabama 81 to – or, sorry, they beat uh, Alabama – yeah, 81 to 77. So it's not like a huge blowout, but you got to remember, this is the same Alabama team that beat Gonzaga. Auburn went into Tuscaloosa, beat Alabama, and on their home court, you know what they did? You know that crane kick that that Alabama did against Auburn in, like, the football game where, like, you know, the football players were all standing up on the one leg of the crane kick to make oh, fun yeah. of how Auburn's guy did that, and then Alabama came back and won? All of the Auburn players – stood right on the court and did the crane kick. <laughs> and then they they posted a picture of them in the locker room doing the doing the crane kick. And then one of Auburn's basketball players posts a picture of them doing that and it says in order to spell roll tide you need two L's. Oh, <laughs> this Auburn team looks like it's a lot of fun. Honestly, BYU's going to win the national championship because yeah, of course BYU BYU obviously. Best, you know, obviously. But yeah. this Auburn team looks like it might be the real deal. That's amazing. I was just looking at the record, and their only loss is a six-point loss to UConn in double overtime. Yep. Which is crazy. Their only loss came in double overtime. I'm excited. I'm excited to watch them. I'm excited to watch, like Danny said, all these new teams that are coming in. It's going to be an exciting season, and hopefully BYU can throw their name in the ring and, you know, maybe shake some things up in the NCAA tournament. Speaking of BYU, they played a game. And they beat St. Mary's College. Ugly. Yeah, that was <laughs> it, um, it came off to a really rough start. We went down 7-0 in like the first. It might have it it wasn't very quickly. We just couldn't score for anything. So we were down 7-0 after like the first five minutes or something. Yeah, that was ugly. But then we put on the clamps, locked them down, figured out our offense, got some momentum, and beat them. And it was a great result for probably the second biggest home game of the year mm-hmm. in conference play. St. Mary's is always, you know, pretty good team. So as I was gotta say, this BYU team, um, I'm kind of like halfway in on, halfway out. They're super inconsistent, but this, I think, was a huge game. And then figuring out who they are, how they play, and how they can get wins. It wasn't pretty, but they got the win, and that's the most important part. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. They need to kind of figure out an offensive identity. Defensively, they have it pretty yeah. good. Held St. Mary's 43 points, which is their lowest point total since 2014, which is pretty good, I guess. But not bad. Not bad at all. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, after every BYU basketball game, we're going to do a little uh, smiley face, a straight face, and a frowning face. So, Justin, you want to kick us off with the smiley face? Yes, absolutely. Smiley face, two things. First of all, you guys already mentioned it, our defense. Only allowed 16 points in the first half. 16 points. This isn't a football game. This is a basketball game. 16 points, and seven of those came in, like, the first three minutes of the game. That's incredible. Absolutely incredible. Absolutely insane. Number two, and this is a huge smiley face from me. I don't know if a lot of people noticed, but 
Huge shout out to Atiki Ally Atiki. He played more minutes in this game than he's played in games past. Only played 15 minutes, but in those 15 minutes, three blocks. And there were big blocks. The dude was a monster on defense, was shutting down St. Mary's big man. Uh, what's his name? Toss. Just absolutely shutting him down. He had a bucket of himself that came at a time when St. Mary's was on a run. He made a little hook shot. His only two points to the game. Came in, played incredible defense, held his ground. I loved to see Otiki playing that well. I love it. I got the straight face this week. My straight face is turnovers. So BYU this year has been pretty bad when it comes to turnovers. We average more than 10, which is not what you want. We had 13 this game, so that's kind of like the frowny half. But then the smiley half is that St. Mary's had 19, so we're forcing more turnovers than we are giving up. So got to be positive in the turnover margin, which we love, but it would be really nice to still get ours down. So something to be happy about, but also something to work on. Yep, and I have the frowny face for this game. And I hate to be the guy that talks about the refs. <laughs> you know, no one likes that guy. But I thought these referees were especially bad in this one. In particular, the whole block charge situation. These refs would not know a charge if it hit them in the back of the head. <laughs> it was so bad. And they were all on BYU. They had a couple where... St. Mary's guys were shifting around in the restricted area and they still called the charge on us. And St. Mary's guys were also flopping left and right. They had a lot of international players. They kept calling charges on us. It was bad. Um, There were a few other calls also that I don't really remember, but I remember being angry at them about. Um, I'm completely unbiased, so take that as fact. The refs were bad. They were pretty bad. There were multiple times that I was infuriated with the mm-hmm. referee. Oh, I got a quick question for you guys. Yeah. Riddle me this. What was uglier? The gameplay itself or Randy Bennett's face? Oh. <laughs> That's the impossible question. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah I am gonna have to go with the gameplay because oh. of, uh, from an offensive standpoint obviously because literally St Mary's had 16 points at halftime and I think BYU had like 24 or something it was just very ugly very very <laughs> ugly yeah I'm gonna go with the gameplay because I think well it's a tricky one initially I was gonna say that Randy Bennett's face is not the terrible thing. It's the top of his shiny head. But re-looking at his face, it's not the prettiest thing I've ever seen. So (laughs) I might go with that, honestly. (laughs) I hate to call another man ugly, but that was worse than the game. Man, we're not the only ones that feel this way about Randy Bennett, by the way. I just Googled Randy, Randy Bennett is ugly. I just Googled that. And the first thing that came up was a Cougar board post that said, just another reason <laughs> Randy Bennett is so unlikable. So, <laughs> I think we all of Cougar alone. Nation has a vendetta against Randy Bennett. Yes. Wow. And it's because his team is so scrappy. And they always do this to us. But we came away with the dub. 
Good stuff. Great win. It's time for a little, uh, yeah, it's time for a little resume update, shall we? Ooh, let's do it. BYU right now, we are tied for 35th in the AP poll with San Fran. Oh. Funny enough. Tied with San Fran, okay. That's two yeah. votes. We're receiving two votes. Shout out to those two voters. Yes, Dose. whoever you are. Good, thank you. Um, Ken Palm, we are 24th. And the net, we are 30th. Not bad. Pretty good. Now, looking at bracketology, we got three different bracketologies that we like to keep track of. Joe Lenardi, who has this as an eight seed. Bracket Matrix, which Jared explained this in the last episode, is in, you know is a website that takes all the brackets in, like accumulates all the data, and like averages out where we should be. They have us as the second highest eight seed. And Jake Marsh, the guy from Pardon My Take, who is you know the, the nerdy stat guy, has us mm-hmm. as a nine seed. So we're at that eight nine line. I'd like to see us move up to more of the seven line. But, yeah, we'll see what ends up happening. Yeah, but, I mean, if of all the years, like, all of the teams that have been ranked number one have lost at some point. Yeah. Like, there are no undefeated teams. So it's not like if we go up against one team, we're going to be severely outmatched. I thought Baylor was going to be that team, but they just got worked by Texas Tech. So, you know. Yeah, Texas Tech is pretty good. I'm more surprised about USC being undefeated and getting absolutely squampus by, like, 17 points to an unranked Stanford team. Wow. Yeah. But I think BYU has a shot in any of the matchups they have. Like, if we can figure out how to play offense, we have a shot. So I'm okay with it. Yeah. Silver lining. I think this BYU team, they've definitely been through a lot more early season adversity than That's a true. lot of teams in the past. A lot of injuries to big men, especially. And they've had some growing pains figuring things out on the offensive end. Their defense has looked, looked pretty good recently. They've got to get Foose and Atiki more settled in to you know, play as you know, starting big men because Gavin and Richard Harwood both went down. But being at a eight or nine seed after going through all that, I think is awesome. And they're only going up from here. Every game, they gain experience and they get better. So I'm really happy about where they are at this point in the season. You know what? You're right. How many other teams out there, especially mid-major teams like BYU, could lose their starting two big men and still be 14-3, and 17 games into the season? Against, like, the, like, I'm pretty sure over half of them, half of the games that we've played have been against tournament teams. Mm-hmm. That's really impressive. Not a lot of teams could say that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of credit to these players for you know working hard and figuring it out after going through all of that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're going to have to figure it out even more and very quickly because mm-hmm. Thursday night they go to the kennel to the play kennel. Gonzaga, who's Gonzaga. a thirteen and a half point favorite. Oh, my goodness. We're already here. Can you believe that? We're already playing Gonzaga basketball. It's too early. I feel like we always play Gonzaga, like, once in late February. Once in – hold on. I forgot how to speak there. Once in late February, once in, like, early March or something like that. 
or Will. maybe the, yeah or like twice in february i don't yeah i don't ever remember playing them this early but we're here so we got to deal with it yeah it's a brutal stretch too like we played saint mary's at home you know granted but then we play at gonzaga and then at san francisco brutal brutal stretch but i think our cougars are up for two of those games we'll see how they are up for gonzaga thursday night yeah let's give a quick scouting report tell us a little bit about gonzaga gonzaga is really good so byu and st mary's have both played pepperdine so far Gonzaga just played Pepperdine, and they scored more than BYU and St. Mary's combined, winning 117 to 82. Oh, my. 117 points is a lot of points. They scored 117 points in a conference game, which is wild. Probably the biggest name on their team, maybe two, Drew Timmy, who's back from last year. The staff. A lot of people will recognize his name. He's got a handlebar mustache. Pretty nasty. Then they have Chet Holmgren, who is a seven-footer, but he only weighs 190 pounds. Now that's pretty light. I weigh stick more figure by quite a lot. Yeah, yeah. For, so I shouldn't be proud of, but for comparison, I weigh five pounds, give or take, less than him, and yet he has nine inches on me. Yeah, And so in all of those nine inches he has on me, it's only five more pounds spread out through there. So he is a walking stick figure. He's a stick bug. He is. He is a stick figure. He's um, pretty good, though. Yeah, he's not bad. I think when I look at Foos, who is kind of – he's a big man, but he's not especially tall. He's just big. I think he – I'm interested to see what happens when he goes up against Chet Holmgren. Could be yeah. either really good or really bad for us. <laughs> yeah, see, I think we can work him. I just his wingspan is what I worry about, right? Like I'm sure yeah. we can back him down, but whether we can go up over top of him for a shot, I, he's his arms are so he's long. too long. He's long. Honestly, when that long. guy reaches his arm up, I wouldn't be surprised if his hand is like a couple inches above the rim. Honestly, I think it is. He's the light version of Kevin Durant. Yeah, he doesn't have to jump to dunk. He just dunks. Yeah. (laughs) I honestly, I think that both Foos and Atiki can keep him out of the key. But he is a decent shooter, too. Right. Uh, He is one of their leading scorers. He averages about 13 points a game, if I'm not mistaken, around the 13.8 points per game range. So he is capable uh, like Dan already mentioned, Drew Timmy's also averaging 17 points a game. They have Julian Strother, never heard of him. Rasir Bolton, never heard of him, also averaging double digits. So the Gonzaga Bulldogs are hard to beat, but they are beatable. So just a quick update on the spread. The uh, spreads of college basketball games usually come out uh, the night before the games. And mm-hmm. this it opened at 13 and a half. And in the 45 minutes that we've been recording this podcast, it's yep. already gone up to 14 and a half. From 13 oh, and a half to 14 and a half. Up <laughs> a full point. Yes. Oh. Well, um, BYU is not getting a lot of respect here. Now, whether they should get a lot of respect or not, uh, 
I, I guess we'll find out. I think for BYU, the key to the game, to even hanging in the game, is you got to score. BYU's defense is good. They'll take care of themselves. You don't need to stop Gonzaga. You just need to slow them down. But BYU needs to score in order to keep up with Gonzaga. Yeah, I think Gonzaga has lost twice this year to Duke and Alabama. And both times, I think Alabama, or I don't know who, but they both scored over 84 points. Yep, Duke scored 84, Alabama scored 91. So if you want to beat Gonzaga, you got to beat them with your offense because they're going to score. Now, I think BYU's defense is good, and they can hold Gonzaga, maybe frustrate them a little bit. But if they want to win, their offense has to have a really good night, which they have not always done in previous (laughs) games. They've been kind of inconsistent. Yeah, That's... you know, I actually kind of like this matchup for BYU. Maybe not at the Kennel, but at the Marriott Center. I do think BYU has a decent chance because Gonzaga this year is more of a five-out team. There are other teams out there like Purdue that have very good big men that would Always. honestly probably eat us alive just because Foose and Atiki, they're the only big men we got. And we got Caleb Lohner who gets back down every five seconds, you know? Love Caleb Lohner, mm-hmm. hate Caleb Lohner. <laughs> uh, yeah. You know, but Gonzaga is more of an outside team. Uh, Drew Timmy plays outside, plays inside, but he doesn't really post up a whole ton nowadays. He just slashes to the rim, gets passes off cuts, backs down guards when they're smaller than him. I think we'll probably have Caleb Lohner on Drew Timmy, which hopefully Caleb Lohner, who is a decent defender, can stay in front of him mm-hmm. and, and you know, keep him limited. If we keep Drew Timmy limited, that limits Gonzaga's entire offense. And I do think that because they are a five-out team, we do have a chance to stop them at some point in the season. Yeah, I, I like that. I think, like you said, they're going to shoot a lot of threes. BYU needs to defend the three. We were lucky that St. Mary sucked at shooting the three ball. Right? <laughs> yeah, they did. Yep, they were awful. So we, we can't do that same thing against Gonzaga, right? We're going to have to play him harder. I, I just – I worry about this game just because Gonzaga has lots of Jimmys and Joes, and our Jimmys and Joes are – they're good. Like, I'm not – you know, okay, yeah, we do skirt a little on Caleb Lohner. But other than Caleb Lohner, like, we love our players, and they're good. They just – they don't have that much experience. Caleb Lone is a sophomore. Tiki and Foos are, are a freshman, right? We got Barcelo, but, you know, every team is going to just double Barcelo and force other guys to beat you. So our guys are good, but they're inexperienced. I just hope they can they can keep up. But in the end, my prediction is we're going to lose by eight, cover the spread, but it's not really going to be in doubt the whole time, but we'll just be close enough to force them to keep their starters in, keep playing hard. Yeah, I think we're going to lose by double digits in this one. We'll see some more growing pains. I think it will be good for the team in the long run, but it might hurt a little bit in the short run. Uh, We'll have a lot of young players gain experience against a really good team. So like Jared was saying, the spread moved from 13.5 to 14.5 for Gonzaga already. I had them losing by 14. Before it moved, and I think I want to keep it there, which would mean BYU covers the spread technically. But nice, 
Yeah, I think we'll lose pretty easily in this one, unfortunately. Gonzaga is really good. Gonzaga is very good. This game will be decided by Tejan Lucas. We are currently undefeated in games where Tejan Lucas makes a three-pointer. Come on, Tejan. So if he makes a three-pointer, we'll still probably lose this game at the kennel. I'm not going to (laughs) lie. This game is going to be tough for us. It's a bad matchup. Coming off of a very physical St. Mary's game, we've had four days to rest, but this is going to be a tough one. I think we're going to take an L by about 12 points, which is respectable. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's not that bad, right? Like, we're playing a team that is far superior than us in every, you know, metric measured by mankind. <laughs> um, so I, I think a 12-10, you know, I, if, you, if you win or lose by 10, like double digits, then you get some, like, adjusted efficiency offense metric, right? So I'd love to see BYU lose by single digits. But even if we do lose by double digits, it's not really going to hurt us. We're playing like the number four team at their home, right? It's not going to matter to our net. In fact, we'll probably move up a spot because we just played them. Mm-hmm. But, but if we do win, how are we celebrating? <laughs> Jared, how, how are you going to celebrate this game? I will celebrate... Now, this is how confident I am that we are not going to win the game. I will eat a tomato like an apple. Just straight up bite straight into the face, juices everywhere, just like the steward of Gondor in Return of the King or whatever it was. Yeah, that's going to be me with a tomato. I hate tomatoes, but I will do it if we win because that would be amazing and it's (laughs) deserving. It's like me telling the universe – I will eat a tomato. I will prevent myself from getting prostate cancer if BYU okay. can just win this game. The so entire Jay, tomato. Are yes. you a tomato fan? Are you a tomato guy? I would say I'm about as much of a tomato fan as I am a Utah fan. Ooh, you heard oh, it there. Oh, okay. Jared hates <laughs> tomatoes as he hates Utah, but he will bite into one like an apple. If no salt. Gonzaga. No, no salt. Just no. straight tomato. No buffalo ranch, nothing. No tomato buffalo ranch. Buffalo sauce. Common condiment when taken with tomatoes. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, if we win this game, I'm not a big mayonnaise person. I do like mayonnaise in small quantities. But if we win this game, I will take a jar of mayonnaise, stick my hand <laughs> wrist deep in it, grab a handful of mayonnaise, and shove it into my mouth and eat it. That's making me dry think, heave right now. I'm but gagging. That, that's, that's what I'll do. I am that confident BYU it will struggle in this game. Dan? Yep. I'm also pretty confident that BYU will struggle, which is why <laughs> I'm going on record and saying, if BYU wins, I will shave a Y into my chest hair again. <laughs> Ooh. Again, we have seen yeah, this before. You heard that again. <laughs> Alrighty. Well, there we have it. I will eat a tomato. Justin will eat a handful of mayonnaise, and Danny will shave a Y into his chest hair again. Yep. Come Go on, Cougs. Let's get Come that done. Go Cougs. 
that would make for some good content. Speaking of content, make sure you go follow us on our Instagram and Twitter at loyal to royal pod to see all the things that we're putting up the way too early top 25s the other posts that we're putting up that prove that BYU was a better team than Georgia this season obviously and for maybe a tomato mayonnaise y shaven scarf down that would be a really interesting video if we do them all at the same time oh <laughs> same video we got Dan shaving Jared eating an apple me wrist deep in some mayonnaise <laughs> Sounds very appetizing. Okay, yeah, I think this is a good time for us to end the episode because I think we're we've gone a little bit off our rocker. <laughs> well, thank you all for listening. Uh, again, if you've made it this far, comment boogeyman on our latest post. Nobody has done it yet, so we, we know that <laughs> nobody has listened to the last couple of episodes all the way through. But uh, yeah, thank you for listening. If you have listened this far, mm-hmm. yep, leave thank a review. You. Five stars. Goodbye now. Mwah.